Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, I'm Joel Morris. I'm a comedy writer and I have worked for everyone from Charlie Brooker to Mitchell and Webb to uh, Viz Magazine, wrote on the Paddington films, co-created the Ladywell Books for Grown Ups, the Frowning Examiner, loads of stuff like that, which I've been doing for decades. Um, and I love pulling comedy apart. Um, anyone who's listened to the podcasts I've made, uh, Comfort Blanket or Rule of Three, will know I like analysing, micro-analysing how jokes and stories and comedy ideas work. Um, they say that if you dissect comedy, it's like dissecting a frog no one laughs and the frog dies but without dissected frogs we wouldn't have anatomy or surgery or any of the knowledge about how bodies work so i think you should kill as many frogs as possible and the interest of murdering a maximum number of kermits i'm writing a book and the book's called comedy basic it's been published by unbound if you search on their website under comedy basic by joel morris it's on there um buy a copy and i will write it that's the deal that's how unbound works if you go to their website it's unbound.com forward slash books forward slash comedy hyphen basic or just search for unbound and comedy basic by joel morris buy a copy uh, have a signed one have some toys have some free gifts but um the book should be great it should be really funny and it'll be a mixture of experience from having done it for a long time and also some anthropology and some neuroscience that'll explain how you can make jokes how you can make better jokes how you can have jokes not fail and what's happening to our brains when we hear comedy because we are uniquely the only animals that make comedy other animals laugh we're the only ones that make sitcoms it's a book on that if you find that interesting if you've enjoyed any of the podcasts or any of the comedy you might like it so look it up and pledge for a copy it's called comedy basic by joel morris published by unbound thank you for listening Comfort Blanket and I'm Joel Morris. I'm going to be talking to some people who make cool stuff that I like about the warm stuff that they like. The book or the film or the record or the TV show they return to again and again because it'll never let them down. Um, after sort of warm, fuzzy, sort of duvet things. Um, but hopefully also that means that they're excellent things. I don't believe you destroy things by analysing them. I think it makes them more fun. Uh, and I'm insisting on that quite aggressively. This time I'm talking to the writer and comedian Sarah Kendall. Sarah's a very accomplished stand-up and has appeared on things like Taskmaster, but she's also a really good writer. She won awards for her radio series Australian Trilogy, and she's also written the TV series Frayed, which she has chosen as her comfort blanket, the film Muriel's Wedding. And now let's hear a warm welcome for Act 5 in the High Disc Asylum Star Search. It's Trevor Emma! Surrender 
Right, you've chosen to bring on the film from 1994, mm. Muriel's Wedding. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, is this a very special film for you or just something that if it comes on the television, you will always watch? Uh, both. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my initial choice, I mean, I was initially going to go with um, uh, Seinfeld. That was my first, when we yeah. discussed this. And then uh, I was looking for movies to watch with my daughter. And then I thought, I haven't seen Muriel's Wedding for a couple of years. But it's always, it's one of, it's like, for me, it's like Tootsie. It's just one of yeah. my kind of go-to classics. That yeah. I, yeah. It will never let you down. Never lets me down. Um, and I was watching it with her and I just got to the end of it and I was just like, oh my God, like I had just, I, I, every time I go back to it, I'm like, it's still perfect. It's there's there's nothing, there's no fat on the script. It does all the things that I, I kind of think whenever I'm lost with my writing, it's, yeah. it's a piece of work that I go back to. Um, but also it's very much the world that I grew up in. Do that somewhere else, will you? Ask your mum to make a cup of tea. Mum, make dad a cup of tea. So right. for me, on top of all the the perfectness of the script and the performances and the, the the comedy, it's like being given a plane ticket into my past. It's exactly my <laughs> my teenage years and where I grew up. Mum, make dad a cup of tea. Me too. The back foot, as as tea. So it's speaking for you. Yeah. And sometimes yeah, yeah. that's that's the thing with the thing that you love is it's not only is it good and it's crafted and you like it, but sometimes it's just because you go, oh, this is this is me. It belongs to me. Yes. Yeah. And my era and my youth and that whole the setting of it and the people like I knew guys like Chuck and yeah. I knew that's all the, the best name. Oh, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. I, so I mean, honestly. Cheryl. Chuck, I won't be a minute. Cheryl's upset. But yeah, I, and 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 also it's so exciting when you see the kind of hero origin story of these women who had these who've gone on to have these incredible careers. Yeah, and you're like, that was when everyone went, "Wow, who are they?" Like, yeah, it's, it's so, a breakout film. Exactly, for two big stars. So exciting! It's a really exciting thing to see people that young, kind of giving birth to their career. I think that you know that's that's the the joy of it. Watching it twenty years down the track. Well, it's got something in common with it. I'm going to compare it now to a film which has got a very different demographic to this. But the first thing it reminded me of watching it, I thought, oh, shit, this is with Nan and I. Right. This is what boys have an attitude towards with Nan and I, where it's this breakout mm. film for two stars who are, who get to do their great role. Yes. It's written, it's got its own internal logic, its own internal world, and the delight of it isn't where the delight is in other films. It's not in the, even the plot or anything. Mm. It's just in, I want to spend time yeah. with these amazing people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought, I mean, I, I'll, I'll confess, I'd never seen the film before. Mm -hmm. It's one of those films, I think, that is destroyed for some section of the audience by its poster. Oh, what's which the poster? The poster is the standard rom-com poster. Oh. It's a woman in a wedding dress on a white background. Oh, God. You know how you do a feel-good film? It's yeah, white background. Yeah, yeah, you cut yeah. the people out and you help yeah. them, help them being happy. It's, Runaway it's Bride. At yeah, Slumdog yeah. Millionaire. That yeah. poster, none of that film is about that, but you go, oh, feel-good rom-com because right. it's got white background. And mm. I looked at it and went, oh, that looks quite fun, but I won't bother with it. It's not my, not my cup of tea. And you, um, which is stupid because I love this sort of film. Mm. Within two seconds of it coming on, I started laughing. Yeah, right. Went, oh, it's <laughs> Romeo and Michelle. It's, it's a really exceptional yeah. example of how to do this sort of film yeah. well, yeah. to make something welcoming and immersive and totally it's funny to its bones yes it's not got funny lines on top yeah. it's just funny the best council president this town's ever had will you do that for me what happened to your nose what nothing sunburn that's all and really confident with its funniness like there's Amazing. so many gags that they don't oversell like the confidence of having yeah a lot of that kind of background comedy like a sort of 
tati kind of like there's a thing happening. Yeah. Even the mother making a cup of tea by putting a tea bag in a cup of water and then microwaving it. Yeah. And you sort of like just these little details that are happening in the background. So it's yeah. a whole world. And mm. what what I felt was when I used to use the word immersive, it's you're dropped into this world and this class and this place and this time. Mm. And every detail of it is thoroughly realised. Yeah. The person who's making this film, which is PJ Hogan, the director yeah, yeah. and writer, knows this world and it belongs to him yeah. completely. I'm, I'm a classic oversharer. Uh, and Muriel's wedding was a personal story. You know, I wrote something that, uh, I wrote something that, uh, that, I, that I knew a lot about, which was failure. And these characters belong to him. So it means that the characters in the background mm. are as fascinating to watch as the characters in the foreground. And yeah. it's got that busyness, like a cartoon, yeah. like an Asterix yeah. comic. You're watching all the little characters in the background. Yeah. It's, it's, it's busy. Yeah. I was thinking about just what you're saying now. Having seen it God knows how many times. The, the, there's a line where Bill Hunter's in, in, the, in the, um, <laughs> the garden that's been burnt down. <laughs> Before the mother suicided. <laughs> Spoilers for Spo- anyone. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm assuming. We've seen this. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. FYI, in Tootsie, it's a fella. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's just this really elegant piece of writing where he says, you know, um, uh, I guess I guess you reap you reap what you sow. Like, it's a really, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, quite, it's quite trite. But then he goes, you think I would have figured that growing up on the land? And in, in that, like in that line, you're like, yeah, of course that guy, that age, that year, that, yeah. of course he grew up on the land. And for him to say a reap what you sow kind of thing is a little bit corny. But then when he comes in with, you think I'd, I'd, I would have known that growing up on the land. And you're like, yeah, there's just these really, it, it takes its time, but it's really, there's no fat on it. That's, yeah, it's that's very what I, yeah. lean and fast. Oh, God, yeah. I'm Constable Saunders and this is Constable Gillespie. Saunders? You're not Graham Saunders, I was boy, are you? Brad. <laughs> Young Brad. I haven't seen you since you played fullback for the Porpoise Pit Giants. There's your dad. How's he recovering from that stroke? He's better than he was. You're terrible, Muriel. How about a beer? Call one before you go to work. Betty? Yes? What? Get the young fellas a beer. Oh. I was in a meeting yesterday. I was sort of talking talking about how you write and really I love the specificity of it and, yes. and that's something that I love and some people really don't like it you know like I think that it's it's become a real sort of taste thing like some right. people prefer it to be, to be quite nebulous and yeah but I love mission statements I love because if I get married then I'm not a no one anymore like I yeah. really love those moments where in seven words the writer has gone this is what this is. You don't, you know, like it's not inference. You're holding the audience's hand and you're saying, watch this woman. Mm. She said what she wants. Now yeah. watch and see if she gets it or doesn't yes. get it. So you, as an audience member, I think this is why it's important. Yeah. You as an audience member then get to join in the fun. Yes. Because you know she stated what she wants. It's yeah. really clear. And if someone wants to marry me, I'm not her anymore. I'm me. Her. Muriel! Muriel Heslop! Stupid, fat and useless! I hate her! I'm not going back to being her again! Yeah. Not in a cheesy way, not in a clumsy way, but it's been said out loud. This is mm. what she wants. Now watch her get it or not get it, and then delight in her getting it, mm. or delight in her not getting it. She doesn't deserve it. Yeah. You're inviting the audience to join in. Yes. And if you if you veil or you if you use too much subtext, yeah. Um. Sometimes the audience is is too busy running to keep up. I agree. And all my favourite comedies and all my favourite films, you know, Tootsie. You know, there is this mission statement. Yeah. I, I'm going to get a job. But I, as a writer. Um, and you know, being a writer, it, it just there are so many moments of just complete despair and yeah. depression. But those lifelines that you have in the script are 
what does my character want? And they are going to die if they don't get it. Like, because we were talking, like when we were sort of talking about what this chat, you know, we had Mm. a brief phone chat and- if I what I what I don't like about myself is that if I if I had seen the one page pricey of this as a yeah. pitch, I would have gone. This is just a bit mad, and there's too many Deus Ex Machinas in here. Like, yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Stuff just happens. Yeah, exactly. For a film that's got enormous clarity and enormous audience openness, you're very welcome to come in and join in immediately. You know what's going on. You can read the characters. The performances really help it. But the dialogue, the setups, the character work just sells you. You're mm. welcome into here. For a film that's like that, at the same time, it's full of these absolute blind signs. <laughs> it's so... Things happen for no reason at all, like they do in real life. Yes. In a, in a quite yes. nice way. But yes. suddenly someone will be struck down and suddenly be ill. And you go, but they never set up that she's going to be ill. And went, no, because actually, yeah. I don't know what it is. The characters are strong enough or I'm invested by this point enough to not go, hey, you didn't warn me that was going to happen. Yeah. And instead of being angry about the surprises, you're delighted by the surprises. Yeah. And I'm with you. I don't know how it pulls it off apart from just confidence. <laughs> The bad version of that, it'd be a movie that I'd switch off because I'd go, there are too many story events (laughs) and the story events feel too big. Like this person's got a cancer on their spine and then then a couple of scenes later, the other character is going to marry a South African swimmer who wants to swim at the Olympics, but because of apartheid hasn't been allowed to, like you'd sort of go, this is like if I was in a script meeting, I'd go, I think it just, it's- it's, Bring it down, make it smaller, make it- Yeah, it's soap opera. It's crazy. Certainly for a Brit who watches this, Mm. is it does have a relationship to daytime soap opera. Yeah. It feels to be- written knowingly in the language yes. of what we import over here, which is Australian daytime soap opera. Right. Domestic drama <laughs> okay. at a slightly heightened level. But weirdly, without it being a parody or a pastiche, it doesn't feel like French and Saunders doing Neighbours or something. No. It's the thing I think that sells this mm. is that everything in it is broad mm. and big mm. and brash and vulgar and bright. Mm. But oddly, instead of that being unrealistic, yeah. it's incredibly realistic. Yes. And I think that what it's got, and I will I'll put this on a pedestal an example of why this needs to be known. Mm. Comedy, because it's bigger and sillier mm. and broader, is more realistic than drama. Mm. Because the size of these characters and the randomness of the events and the energy of it feels like life. Yes. In a way that a minutely observed art house thing where no one is reacting <laughs> makes me after a while go, yeah. oh, fuck it, people aren't like this. Yeah, people yeah, are yeah. stupid. They make dumb mistakes. Yeah. They're bigger. They make each other laugh. They have huge expressive faces. And I, about 10 minutes into this, I thought, this has just got the energy of real life. Yes. Even though none of it is realistic. Yeah. It's courage to be bigger than life makes it feel more authentic. We always knew Mario would come good. She's in all the papers. What happened to you? I have cancer. It's all right. I cut it out. I won't walk again, though. You were so full of life. I'm not dead, Cheryl. All of these characters have got integrity. Like, whenever they get to speak their piece... They do say a thing that makes you go, got it. Yeah. So, you know, when Rhonda says, I'm never going back to pauper spit, no matter what happens, you cannot send me back to pauper spit. Promise me something. We never go back there. You kind of get, so she is this big brash character, but then when she says a thing like that, you're like, okay, I got it. You were a loser back in pauper spit and now you've got this fabulous life in the city. 
I empathize with you. I now I've I've connected with you emotionally, so it doesn't feel silly. It doesn't yeah. feel big. Promise we never go back. I promise. With Muriel, you know, when she's saying, "Dad, we're not losers." You know, you're always telling us that we're losing. We're not lo-. like they do have these moments of really pure drama and empathy. Yes. You go, I will go with you on the bigger journeys because. I now I'm, I feel connected to you as a human. That old thing, right? What you know. So I knew that I came from, uh, uh, you know, on a scale of one to ten of crazy. Uh, I came from a family that was an eight. Uh, so I wrote, I wrote about them. There's a desperation about these characters. Oh yes. And I think desperation sells well in scripts because yeah. I think most adults understand desperation. The way they picked on me, pauper spit saying I wouldn't amount to anything, and here I am, famous, and they're at my wedding. <laughs> I showed them. Showed them what? I'm as good as they are. Whenever you're doing a script, you should say, well, what do these characters want? Yes. Well, OK, well, let's turn that up to ten. What are these characters yeah. desperate exactly. want? Exactly. And if you don't get it... Where are you going? Where do you think? Back to Pauper's Spit with Mum. We're catching the bus out tonight. So oblivion. What's at stake? Right. And all of them, it feels like there's oblivion at stake. I don't want you to. Well, you should have thought of that before you gave up on me. I couldn't pay all the rent without you. I couldn't even do the shopping. I needed help. I needed a friend. I mean, I don't want you to go back by bus. I bought you two plane tickets. Go to hell. No matter what the surface nonsense of this is, the fluff and the ABBA costumes and the the, the bigger-than-life jokes and things like that, whenever one of them states what they want... Mm. It's authentic yeah. and convincing, yeah. and you can relate to it. Yeah. None of them says, I've got to win a jam festival. <laughs> they go, Dad, we're real people, or I want yeah. to be happy. No. They are big, vital yeah. ambitions. Yes. Um, so every time it sort of goes back to the core of what the characters want, number one, they desperately want it. Yeah. And number two, it's a thing you can completely understand. Yes. The armatures, the skeletons of all these characters are thoroughly convincing. I'm going to be a success, Mum. I'm going to get married and I'm going to be a success. I know you are. But Dad just wants to be proud of you, that's all. I'll show him. I'll show them all. We're finding this out writing, we wrote a, a spoof crime thing called A Touch of Cloth mm. and it took us a while to work it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly, we're, 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 for TV. And it was a spoof police thing and the joke with it was always, we realised after a while that it had to be real murders. Yeah, yeah. That if the detective wasn't investigating a real murder, then weirdly... Even though it was just police school. How much did I dumb. enjoy Touch of Cloth? Well, they, How much they, did I enjoy that? But it was the, the, yeah. the motor for it all the time was that there was a real criminal who was really going to kill you. Yeah, Otherwise yeah, you yeah, tuned yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And that was a incredibly, that wasn't even Muriel's wedding realistic. That yeah. was a massive stupid cartoon. Yeah. But it's interesting how much underneath, no matter how silly your thing is, yes. no matter how silly your sitcom is or your, dra- or, your, or your film or your comedy idea is, if the people at the bottom fundamentally underneath the surface really, really want something, and it's something real and really important, yeah. then the motor just works. Also, I feel like there has to be skin in the game. Like there has to yeah. be, and I was just thinking as you're saying that, how there has to be something at stake. Like even in Tootsie, which is again, high stupid, like yeah. really, I mean, man dresses as a woman to get a part in a soap opera, I, yeah. you know. But, you know, there are those moments in the script where like, you know, Jessica Lang is like, you have to go and see my father tonight. You are going to break him if you... Yeah. If you, 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 this is, he's a widow. Real emotions are at stake. Exactly, exactly. So it's not, you have to go and my dad's going to propose to you and oh my God, it's going to be so like, go, like it is this kind of, please don't devastate him. It's my dad. You you're, know? Make, you're, make, you're talking here, when you, when you said about um, 
there are plot elements that don't make sense. You're given the one page thing and you go, actually, mm. you need to work that a bit harder. Let's have it set up a bit better that she might get ill. Let maybe see foreshadow yes. or whatever. Yeah. Let's <laughs> maybe see her attitude to someone else who got ill. Maybe there was a kid yeah, at school who in a wheelchair and she's yeah. mean to her. And then she learns what it's like to be in a wheelchair. None of that's in there. Mm. What you're talking about there is plot and plot elements and plot beats. And mm. very often when you're a writer, you get all the plot beats right. And you go, well, this will be great because all the plot beats make sense. Mm. But what you sometimes forget to do is to drill down and say, what about the emotional through line? Yeah. And with this film, which is a big, silly comedy that's mm. meant to just make you laugh, the emotional through line is absolutely clear. Yeah. And so no matter how silly it gets, no matter how many coincidences they string together, yeah. you follow them because the emotional line is so yeah. carefully drawn. Yes. And so elegant. Every single... Every single character in in like the best sitcom way has got an arc. Yeah, everybody goes on a journey. The way oh, we're just watching it with my daughter, and, and when the mother turns up at the wedding at yeah. the back of the of the place, and she'd got a bus there, where and- the husband has pushed her away and gone off for a really seedy affair. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she is she's obviously she's yeah. the backbone of the family, and yeah. she's completely underappreciated. Yeah, and Mural is seeing more and more in her the future that will yes. lie ahead of her yeah. if she lets these men dominate her. Yes. It's, I mean, that is yeah. subtle writing. It's really good. But she so, turns up at the wedding. Yeah, and she's at the back of the of, uh, back of the church and then Muriel walks past her and doesn't even see her. Yeah. Her reaction shot to her daughter not seeing her and having turned up, having caught the bus, a six-hour bus journey, yeah. sweaty, tired, dressed up with the presence. I, I mean, I genuinely burst into tears just seeing that reaction shot on a minor character. Yeah. In a high camp, over the top, like to feel that connected and that, and again, it's the integrity of it. It's not, the mum turns up late and then Muriel doesn't see her. It is, no, 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 let's sit in how that's going to feel for yeah. that person and let it breathe and I, and get a good reaction shot and get a great actress to do it. You feel everybody is having to exist in each emotional beat. You're not just skipping over it to yeah. the next thing. There, there are consequences for their behaviour. Yeah. You owe us, Dad. We're not useless. We never were. Now you're looking after the kids and you're going to tell them they're not useless. The plot beats don't just tick by. You can see on everyone's faces the effect yeah, they've yeah, had. Yeah. And even though you're right, you said this is a very interesting film and in that it is camp. It is larger than life. Mm. But there's a sincerity to it and... It's got something in common with it. It's got lots of music in it. Mm. You know that stupid thing people say when they say, oh, I don't like musicals because people wouldn't <laughs> burst into song in real life. That doesn't really happen, okay. so I can't invest in it. And yeah. you go, what if the emotion they were expressing was bigger because mm. they were doing something improbable or impossible? Mm. And that's core to the idea of camp, mm. that something is simultaneously very, very clearly not happening. Yeah, It's Batman. It's not real. Yeah. But at the same time, the emotions of it are real. But just to, and just to sort of drill into that a bit more, there is an accepted suspension of disbelief yeah. when you buy a ticket to a film. It's like when really I saw happening. Dallas Buyers Club, <laughs> I know Matthew McConaughey didn't die of AIDS. <laughs> like, what is this authenticity where's they're the, talking where's about? The limit? Where's the limit of it? And I think this relates to something which I remember thinking, I remember loving, and I, I quote this all the time, Ken Campbell said that all, all drama that doesn't have jokes in it should have its funding removed because <laughs> the point of drama is to reflect life. And life is funny. Yeah. And I thought of that all the way through this. I, yeah. I'll, I'll describe the experience of watching this. I, so I bunged it on. I thought, I hope this is good. Yeah. And within minutes, I had a rolling giggle in my, my <laughs> stomach that wouldn't stop. And I thought, oh, I think I love this. Yeah, right. And I was trying to work out what had sold me on it. Mm. And it was, a lot of this is sold off, off Tony Collette's face. Yeah. yeah. It goes in close on her. And what she does is she reacts to everything mm. and it's in her face and sometimes she reacts by looking hurt because it's mm. about a girl who's been 
rejected and is unaccept- oh, deemed unacceptable. Yeah. So all that hurts in her face. Yeah. And then when she's happy, her face explodes. Right. Yeah. And I'm going, oh my God, I'm just, I'm taking cues yeah, yeah, from the yeah, screen yeah, yeah, yeah. about how to feel. And a lot of the time I'm just feeling delight. Yeah. And I think it's because I can see you're enjoying yourself. You know, that sort of um, put your character up a tree and throw rocks at mm. them. You couldn't really have done more in the opening 20 minutes in it's terms incredible. of throwing rocks at her. It's Ex- horrific. Explain what happens in the opening tra- The opening setup yeah. scene. Again, as a setup, you go, ah, you've got me now. Yeah, right. So she's at a wedding. She looks dreadful. She's like in a mix of leopard prints <laughs> at a wedding that she sort of hasn't been invited to. And she catches the bouquet. Looks like our next. And they're like, no, God, Muriel caught it. And then they tell Muriel <laughs> to give the bouquet to the more popular girl. So she has to hand it over. Muriel, throw it again. Then the police arrive. Miss, we'd like to have a word to you about your dress. What's wrong with it? He stole it. She shoplifted the the, the, the outfit. There's a store detective at the wedding a who identifies detective. her, who, who, who tried to follow her out of the shop when she stole the dress, lost her, yeah. and then turned up at the wedding went, there, there she is. Yeah, I mean, already, you're like, what, what where are we? I'm so pleased. I had the perfect arrest record until I lost her and boys wear. How did I should be here? I didn't. I'm the groom's cousin. So then she doesn't get invited on a holiday and then they go, look, we don't, you're not coming on this. She's like, what holiday? And they're like, oh, we weren't going to tell you, but... We don't want you hanging around us anymore. We don't want you to come on the holiday. You're not like us. Like, we're, we like to have fun and we listen to great bands and you listen to ABBA. We've told you a thousand times how to do your hair, but you never listen. You never wear the right clothes. You're fat. Listen to 70s music. This is the 90s. Then she wrangles money out of her father's lava by pretending that she, she gets a blank check from the mother. Blank check. Cash. She oh, does a Jesus series of Christ. bad things. Yeah, terrible things. You're terrible, Muriel. Basically exploiting her mother's mental illness to get a blank check <laughs> to go to Hibiscus Island. <laughs> Where she bumps into a girl from her school. Are you Muriel Hessler? No. Who is now quite glamorous but was a loser at school. Rhonda Eppenstall. We're at high school together. You dropped out near 10, I dropped out near 11. The nasty girls see her in Hibiscus Island at the resort and they're like, what the fuck are you doing here? You mental case! You keep away from us! And then the first moment of triumph is the talent night where these two girls who were losers in high school do Waterloo. They do the other yeah. song Waterloo. And you're absolutely right. Tony Collette's face turns from hurt, dismay, lying, conniving, like all the shitty things that she's done. And then it just it just switches into this growing confidence. I've never seen karaoke character, yeah. Yeah. which is a trick that people do in comedies a lot. We go, yeah. what if they sing a song? Yeah. yeah. And we know about them if they sing a song. And you go, oh, God, that's the laziest way of doing it. Yeah. I've never seen it done better than this. It's, it happens about 20 minutes in, so it's nice and early. So you're yeah. ready to go, oh, can, can I feel up? Can I have some upbeat yeah, thing? They yeah, do the yeah. big ABBA number here in Romy and Michelle, where they do time after time at the end. Yeah, and it's yeah, a triumphant yeah, moment. Yeah. You have to wait ages for that. Yeah. This, they go, right, what the audience wants, what will delight them is, You've seen this girl get trodden on and trodden on and yeah, trodden on. Yeah, yeah, And she really wants to go to Hibiscus Island and she shouldn't have got the blank check out of her mother. That was bad, but okay. Oh, but she's been treated so badly, I feel yeah, for her. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the beginning is basically Matilda. It's a Roald Dahl level of mean things happen to a nice person. Uh, so eventually yeah, you yeah. go, oh, it's really unfair. And yeah. we all have felt we're that person. Mm. Everyone, I remember feeling at school, 
don't know if you've felt this at school, if you're ever in a gang, mm. I always thought I was the fifth member of the five-member gang. Right, right, right. they right. would let me go at any moment. Okay. I, ne- I never thought I was member one. You were the Joey Bishop of the Rat yeah, Pack. Yeah, you're always, yeah, yeah everyone feels <laughs> like the Joey Bishop. <laughs> and Muriel is the ultimate Joey Bishop of her gang. And she, mm. it's got that lovely uh, Heather's Mean Girls set up yeah, where they're the yeah, Mean yeah. Girls and they are... Stick thin Gold Coast beach bunnies, and yeah. she is the outsider. She's a bit zaftig, and she yeah. so she doesn't fit in. And they get rid of her, they ditch her, yeah. and immediately they ditch her. You go, I'm on your side. I hope something nice happens to you. Mm. And because it's a film that's concerned with delighting its audience, twenty minutes in, she's dressed as as Agnetta, oh, Jesus, in the most enormous silver cat suit, yes. and she gets to sing her triumphant song. Yeah. Twenty minutes in, yeah, you yeah. get to see her, and you go. Oh God, I'm in love now yeah. because this is just going to, every time I want her to do well, the film will go, don't worry, we won't make you wait. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's brilliant. It is. It's beautiful. It's, and, and just seeing their performance, because, you know, Rachel uh, Griffiths is the sort of, R- Rachel Griffiths plays the other girl from Rhonda. high school. Rhonda. <laughs> and she's the, you know, she's confident from the get-go, but you see Tony Collette during the song growing in confidence yeah. and you can hear the audience enjoying it more and more and more. The audience is really getting into it at the talent quest. And then by the time they get to the chorus and they've got the dance moves together and they also film it a bit like an ABBA music video as yeah. well. They have that kind of, yeah. It's the Lassie Palstrom thing where they're side on and face That's on. That's right. And yeah. also I love the link to Australia's absolute love affair with ABBA, that ABBA the movies all set in Australia. That's it's, right. It's yeah, complete, yeah, yeah. It goes, this feels completely organic yeah. and natural. Yeah. And yeah, there's something just wonderful about it. And then he intercuts it with a massive fight. <laughs> <laughs> and can I say, so that the, that's Pippa, the woman who, who plays that character, who she's also in, in the show that I did, Frayed. Oh. And uh, the, first, the first time I met her, I was like, I just have to get this out of the way that Muriel's wedding just, I, I just felt, when it came out, I just felt like it was talking to girls like me. It, yeah. it was just a comedy for me. I felt like it was mine, you know. Wow. And we talked so much about it. And then I, I said to her, I really want to write a cat fight scene between you and I, because I just <laughs> love the cat fight in Muriel so much. So I got to have a cat fight wow. with her. Uh, in Frayed and I feel like I was just living out my cinematic <laughs> fantasies like the next thing I have to do is write a scene with Dustin Hoffman where he's putting on a face of makeup or something. but yeah it was just really I, she was, and she was a real joy to work with and really happy to talk about Muriel's wedding you know it was just really nice real fan moment Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
if I couldn't type, why did they give me my secretarial diploma? Because I paid for it. Sits around the house like a dead weight. Watching TV, sleeping all day, getting arrested at weddings. You're useless. I was also thinking about this, just in, like off off the back of what you're saying there, but also in terms of how big it is. Yeah. And it's a really bold declaration that you are on a hero's journey. And I was yeah. thinking about how she is an Indiana Jones or a Luke Skywalker. You get yeah. the feeling of an almost Shakespearean level quest yes. of your hero. And she started off on the, the backwards. She's yes. on Tatooine. She's looking yes. at the, twin, the twin sons are... Uh, a wedding yes. she's staring off you know what she wants she says what she wants what the quest is yes. we get married and then it plays jokes on every one of those yes. things yes 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 because the so- wedding's fucking shit when she gets it yeah oh completely <laughs> she gets it she doesn't get it yeah, you know yeah. like and, and I just kind of think that there is tonally I mean it's Muriel's wedding we know it is it is about this this central character but there is a sort of sort of like that kind of King Lear level of this is a big journey for yeah. a big character. I know I'm not normal, but I'm trying to change. I'm trying to become more like you, more of a... It's too late. But I can change. You'll still be you. There, there, there are those sort of Australian comedies that are a bit more... I don't know, this just feels like a, a real hero's journey. Oh, by the way, I'm not alone. I'm with Muriel. And it has the the scope of a hero's journey. She covers huge amounts of territory... Yeah. Muriel's out there and she's made something of herself. And she was the most useless one of all, wasn't she, Bill? You're buying into a huge journey when with, with this character and it, and it knows, it's done with a confidence. It's It handles all of its jokes so well. Do you ever dream about what you would say to them if you saw them now? I do see them now. They're over there. <laughs> what are they doing here? Well, they're on Tammy's honeymoon. Chook couldn't come. I, I can't think, like, there, there are no jokes in that where I kind of go, oh, that didn't really land or, nah. Stick your drink up your ass, Tanya. I would rather swallow razor blades than drink with you. It has a confidence in a language. It's a type of film, and there are, I wish there was a word for these type of films, a film where the world itself is what you're enjoying. Mm. There's a confidence in the world building of it. Mm. And I'm going to lump some together because I like these kind of films, and I'm going to say it's Bill and Ted. And mm. it's with Nail. Cake and fine wine. Yeah. And it's Romy and Michelle. I think you are like the funnest person I know. Me too. With you. What you do is you come up with a language and a tone and a sort of joke. Taika Waititi's films. Yeah. Now nah, those foundations are gone. Sorry. A type of humour that is completely in a sealed bubble. Yes. And just says, look, I find this funny. Yeah. These are my rules. Yeah. And this yeah. is the way they talk. And tomorrow in the playground, you'll be able to do impressions of people. You'll be able to go, you're terrible, Muriel. Yeah. There'll be catchphrases. There are easily impersonable <laughs> voices. Um, everything's big. So we're saying to you, here is your cartoon world. Yeah. And you will, when you try and write your first script, you're a fan of this, it'll be a copy of this. Yeah. Because the voice is confident. And there's a, a joint that has nothing to do with structure or mm. skill mm. or joke telling. It's just saying... Here is the language I use to express my view of the world. Yeah. I give it to you, fully formed. Within seconds, you can impersonate it. Yeah. It is a comic voice you will be able to do. God, that's so true. And you will possibly steal this. Yeah. And might, maybe it'll be the stabilizers on your riding bike that you'll ride on for a while. <laughs> and you'll actually be able to take them off and, and fly away. It just says, I have total confidence in this world I've invented. Yeah. And I felt that within minutes of watching this, I went, oh, you've got this. Muriel, how was that wedding? She was arrested. That's lovely. And you wish you were 22 again, Betty. Remember that age?
There's another aspect of this that um, revels in the cultural cringe and then proudly doesn't cringe. Yes. Which I think is a really, as an Australian and sort of coming out of, like that was sort of during that period where Australia just kept producing these really camp comedy classics. So so there's Priscilla, there's Strictly Ballroom, I would put Muriel's Wedding in with this. I mean, those were the three big hitters of that era. Yeah, it's a huge wallop and it came out of nowhere and it's it's post-Crocodile Dundee. Right, exactly. And it was kind of going, okay, take your cultural cringe and shove it up your asshole. Yes. Because this is who we are and it's, and yeah, we're not like the rest of the world. And no, we don't speak like Americans. We don't speak like British people, but we're not shit. You know, like we've got our own... And we have great art and great creativity, and it was really pushing back on this idea. It's taking it's taking pride in in who we are and not being ashamed of it. Yeah, and, it's holding it up and, and saying yes. this looks funny. This yes. lo- this looks funny to outsiders. The, yes, the language. This is all set in what's called bogan sort of culture. Loosely, right, exactly, isn't it? exactly. Which is if people don't know what that is, that's yes. that's you can but explain these are, than me. <laughs> well, it is, well, it is. It's that kind of really. Working class, you know, although, I mean, the the dad in this, you know, he did have aspirations to be a member of parliament and stuff, but... There's something fascinating in this, certainly as a Brit watching it, again, the, the, the ostensible classlessness of Australian society. And yet you go, this is so class-written. Yes. The idea of looking down on that working class culture. But weirdly, in a British version of this, if it was like a Mike Lee film about working class people, one of them wouldn't be trying to get into parliament. <laughs> and the madness of going, it's so classless. Yeah. The children are all yeah. unemployed, but he's going to be a major like corrupt politician. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Its flavour is very specifically Australian. And it feels like those films, those very camp, feminised or noisily bright and brash mm. films that came out, were a deliberate attempt to try and reinvent Australia after Crocodile Dundee, which had just said macho. Exactly, exactly. Mad Max and Crocodile Dundee say exactly. macho desert culture. Yes, And exactly. this says suburban, female, gay, gay yeah. camp. And yeah. it's PJ Hogan said he was trying to make the anti-Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. And he's yeah. speaking through the voice of these women mm. and speaking authentically and very sympathetically and empathetically through them. Yeah, and interestingly, at the end of this movie... You know, the ending of the film is the love between these two women. Yes. And I'm not saying it's sapphic love, but the, the ending is the strength of love. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it's it Spice is, Girls. Yes. There's no space for men in the ending. It yeah. is not there is the for for something that is called Muriel's Wedding, it is an absolutely male free, completely passes the Bechdel yeah. test. Bechdel, Bechdel? It's best it's Bechdel up the wazoo, this Bechdel. film. I never know how to pronounce the word, which is interesting. Women should gather and discuss Bechdel? amongst themselves say, how to play Bechdel. I Bechdel. said Bechdel. I, and then, I'll, then I will Bechamel. say Bechdel. The Bechamel <laughs> the test. The Zooey Bechamel test. <laughs> um, but it totally passes the yeah. test because it does end on an absolutely male-free moment, yeah. impulse, ending, their future together. You they know. are friends. Yes, and they choose each other. Bye, straight. Anybody could be And you sense a hero's journey. She's Indiana Jones. Yeah. He doesn't get the arc and he doesn't want the arc. He wants the girl. Yeah. He wants the friend. Yeah. And the end of this is you didn't get the wedding was, was the, the MacGuffin, the thing you thought you wanted. Your quest was there. Yes. You wanted that, but you needed this. Yeah. And it's a classic hero's oh, journey. Oh, God. As such, I mean, when you say it, it's just you wanted that, but you needed that. And as, as a technician, <laughs> you're just like 10 out of 10. I yeah. mean, the, 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 you know, on technical points, I, I, I just can't fault it. It just doesn't, there's never a misstep. And I'm always, I, 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 I get that kind of roller coaster ride feeling of 
There's so much happening and I can't wait for what's going to happen next. That's why you can watch it again. With a film like this that you said quite often, it's chaotic. Yeah. It's having too much fun to care about structure and technical stuff. And then the moment you start picking it apart, you go, oh no, it's got everything right. And again, and this is like the thing that makes me kind of go, God, I just don't trust myself, (laughs) is that... Okay, so the whole beat in the story where um, Muriel goes, right, I'm going to get married, I'm going to look around, and then she's, she's circled, you know, that she can meet this person and it's the South African Olympic swimmer. I've worked out all the details of the romance, which you and David will have to stick to. But the most important thing is to convince people that you two are really in love. What about the blonde? You didn't like it. I'm not so sure now. Now, if that was pitched to me in a meeting, I would say... You've introduced this South African swimmer how many minutes in? Quite 17 in, minutes yeah. in? The guy she definitely wants. The guy that she wants. The thing that she now wants is we're quite a fair way into this movie. Why am I going to give a shit about what happens with him rejecting her or when he turns up at the funeral? Should we have to- seen the, some stuff about the Olympics in should, the beginning, Act right. 1? Should he have been someone who, we, who is fr- she already knew? Or I mean, look at Rachel Griffith's character. Look at Rhonda. Rhonda turns up when she goes away on holiday. Yes. And it's oh, she's a girl she knew from school. But you go, yeah. shouldn't we have seen that they knew each other at school <laughs> at the beginning? <laughs> It runs itself a little bit like a like a sitcom. Like there are different episodes. Yes. What you've got is a bunch of almost like unrelated sketches with new characters turning up, like mm. episodes in a story. And you go, but hang on, this is a film. It's supposed to have a unity and a, a unified thing. And then you go, I don't care. Yeah. This just feels like a perfect example of you know, as as with life in art, you can do anything if you're funny. And <laughs> those scenes that kind of. As a technician, like you sort of six hours later, you go, hang on, why did they get away with that? Because they were funny. So the whole scene- The energy carries you through. And the swimming, uh, that scene at the swimming pool. So if you haven't seen the movie, she basically answers an ad about a fast marriage and she turns up at an Olympic swimming pool and there's this stunning blonde South African swimmer. David Van Arkel, Mariel Hislop. The only way he can compete at the Olympics because of apartheid, the South Africans have been banned- so he needs an Australian marriage so that he can compete at the, at the Olympics. Now, Muriel meets this guy and she lights up a cigarette inside the Olympic swimming pool training area, <laughs> which is already, and she looks, the, all her makeup's too loud. And, and then they said, you know, the, the, the coach says something along the lines of, Muriel, you've probably seen the news about the civil war in South Africa. Well, just as the South Africans seem to be doing the right thing by the blacks, the police open fire on a black soccer club and that is bad news for and then she takes a drag on the cigarette and goes, oh, my God, are you black? <laughs> to the, to the, to the, and then she goes, oh, oh, sorry, because she's so dazzled by how handsome yeah, he is. Yeah. She pulls this weird face at him, like she kind of goes a bit cross-eyed, like, Bleh. but it is, it's so huge. But again, they just get away with it because they have a fantastic comic offer for the scene and you are so with this hero. You're so on her side yeah. and, and so sold by... Her impulse, and we've already set up she wants to get married, so this kind of does fit in. But the thing that surprises me is that when he turns up at the mother's funeral, I care about them. And I'm like, I've known this character for about 15 minutes of a 80-minute film so far. It's a testament to the economy of the character writing and also the fact that they make it really clear what they want. Yeah. So you can hold in your head a vast cast of like Dickensian grotesques Mm. and know what they want so that when they turn up, you go, oh, good, him. Yeah. I know what he wants is the apartheid swimmer. Yeah. And so you as a, an audience member feel very, very safe with it. Yeah. I can't stay married to you, David. I've got to stop lying now. I tell so many lies. I know I won't know I'm doing it. 
I don't love you. I don't love you either, but uh, I don't know. I, I think I could like having you around. You mentioned this is a hero's journey, and mm. I'm now thinking about this. No one ever talks about comedies in this sense, that they are very often exactly structurally the same as an action movie mm. or any other story you want to tell. Everything mm. is the same story. Mm. And there's a thing that Spielberg said about Indiana Jones. He said, I have to get the audience at the beginning of Rage of the Lost Ark to accept this improbable adventure story in the opening 90 seconds. And right. if they buy that, I've got them for the rest of the film. Right. And I think Muriel's wedding works the same way. It's that opening scene at the wedding mm. where she's thrown the bouquet yeah. and they go, not you. The whole point about the randomness <laughs> of throwing you, the bouquet. You're caught it here. Yeah, so you go, oh, you're unacceptable. I follow this. Oh, I like you. You're an outsider. Yeah. And then within seconds you go, well, what sort of outsider is she? She's the sort of person who stole the wedding dress, turned up at a wedding she wasn't supposed to be at, and the detect- store detective's there, yeah. and it's like the worst day of her life. She's just bundled into a police car and taken out of the wedding. Yeah. By that point, you've got me on board to, this is the language of this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I buy that, the yeah. store detective would dob you in at the wedding you've turned up in the dress. Yeah. And I go, yeah, good, that's a really funny idea. Yeah. I, I'd like you to keep making me laugh, please. Yes, so yes, what yes. I will not do is put my hand up at any point the rest of the film. So by the end of it, they can introduce a South African swimming champion yeah. and I don't put my hand up because no. I said at the beginning I was going to get on the ride. That's so true. Because it's been painted with such broad brushstrokes, you'd think it'd be clumsy. Mm. But obviously what it is, they're just, they've just put a bigger canvas. Yeah. So instead of, uh, you can do a miniature and make it already precise. That, that's realistic and mm. affecting. But this is a huge mu- a mural. Yeah. It's a mural mural. Yeah, yeah, and they've yeah. got the big house painting brushes. They're doing it r- massive. Yeah, yeah. But because of that, it's got enormous clarity. Yes. So you can follow all the emotional things. And oddly, the precision that gives it. And you think the broadness and camp aren't precise, but this is very precise. Mm. You can read it, and that means the emotional stakes are really fucking clear. Mm. I was just thinking, there's probably a version of Muriel's Wedding that is a Napoleon Dynamite version of Muriel's Wedding. There's a version of this that is ironic and detached. Yes, yes. It's very knowing. This is sincere. It is. Yeah, it does. It, that's it's exactly. It's not cynical. No, it's not. It, it is actually a very open-hearted... It is taking itself seriously. Like yeah. There is a, there These is, are real people. Yes, and... and as that's we, a really good point. Yeah, and as, as we said... At, at the outset, there is a kind of, if I don't, my my life depends on this. If I don't get this, this is this is a fight for my soul. This is yeah. like the life that I'm going to have. You know, it was really my last shot at, uh, at getting a film made because, you know, I was getting close to 30 and I thought, if I, you know, maybe I'm not meant to be doing this. Uh, and I'd gone to film school with a lot of people who had established careers uh, some were even making a comeback and here I was I'd yet to make um, you know my breakthrough film so I sat down and I wrote what I knew there is something about setting up those stakes but doing it in a way that is that does have integrity I never felt that I was being manipulated I know no. we're being, I know I'm being manipulated well, but be, I, beyond the accepted rules of watching any kind of fiction yeah exactly exactly but I I felt there was there was just a humanity there was there was an integrity in the script writing and PJ Hogan's choices and I there were so many points in that movie where I honestly within 30 seconds of laughing really hard I nearly burst into tears Mario Van Ackle speaking hello Muriel Mario Mum's died. What? We're all at the hospital. Dad says you have to come home. It punches way above its weight emotionally yeah. for a comedy. Uh, and 
and does that thing that is my 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 you know it's always the thing that I've tried to work towards in in my own work, which is trying to really elegantly pivot out of tragedy into comedy and comedy back into tragedy and just keep that kind of one eighty pivot. Except because it's life, it's the only thing that feels real to me. Yeah. If I'm going to put it on paper, it has to have some sort of resonance. Otherwise, why am I doing it? But that film just manages to do it scene to scene to scene to scene. You are being emotionally pulled in so many different directions, but in every single, the comedy has integrity and the drama has integrity. It's never to be underestimated uh, how difficult comedy is, and Jill Bilcock is a marvel at at cutting uh, both drama and comedy. If you remember that sequence in Muriel's wedding where... I think it's the beanbag scene where Muriel is, you know, having the worst sex ever filmed and then uh, everybody's naked, the window's smashed, there are little white balls in the beanbag flying everywhere and then Rachel Griffiths announces that she can't walk, literally turns on a dime, uh, as the saying goes. Uh, Jill Bilcock made all of that work and she did it by just saying, look, don't, if you're going to go up to the bell, ring it. Let's just make this change. Let's pull the rug out from under the audience. Like nothing is being done in a kind of mawkish or yeah. it's not manipulative. There's nothing cheap about it. And, no. it's, and it's a brash, uh, artificial fibres tone of a film. Yeah. If you wanted to write a cringe comedy mm. about a bogan family and this outsider girl who doesn't fit in and her naive belief that everything will be sorted when she has the perfect wedding. God, can you imagine how bad that pitch sounds? It's terrible. Yeah. But what it has to be is written by someone who comes from that family. Yeah. It's an insider's view of it. PJ Hogan came from uh, Coolangatta, mm-hmm. which is basically yeah, renamed... Coolangatta yeah. uh, Gold. He came from that town and he made it his town. Yeah. These are his people. This is his family. I didn't realise Muriel is based on his sister. Oh, wow. And he had a dad who was a rotten bully. And yeah. he's way worse than the dad is in the film. He's like, tone him down to make him believable because how he treated my sister was terrible. And his sister was completely cowed by this macho bully in the family and didn't know her own worth and undervalued herself. His sister eventually stole money, joined a cosmetics business and oh my ran God. away. Oh and my he said, God. it's all true. He said, so I had this story about my sister. I wanted to tell her story. Yeah. And I really felt for her. And the, you can go, well, there's pain there. The family's got a bully as a dad. He's grown up under that. He's obviously creative, and I imagine it's not much fun having a bully for a dad when you're there. I suddenly feel for him and his sister. Yeah. And he starts telling a story, and he went, I didn't have a third act. All I had was my sister ran away. Right. So then he said, I had to work and work and work to find a story that could tell that, that, that character's story. And you go, oh, so you are doing that perfect blend of this happened to me. Yeah. It's authentic. It's real. So the emotion's real. And then going... Yeah, but I've got to do some craft on top of that. That's right. It's not enough. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's what Izzy Sutty once said is you have to put the active ingredient in, the yeast yeah. of reality will yeah. then make your fictional stories grow. That's so And good. it's got that truth about it. I think why it doesn't feel cynical, why it doesn't feel cheap is it's not some fucking posh guy writing about yeah, how, how yeah. common people are so vulgar. Yeah. And you know what? It leaps off the screen. The integrity yeah. of it. It is a, you know, if you are pure of heart then yeah. you will be successful in your quest. Yeah. You know, I do feel I, I, and you can smell it a mile off. You're like, yeah, I, yeah, that all. But he's speaking yeah. for himself as well then, not just Muriel. There's a nice way in which, it's odd that it's a, a man making this film, which is so mm. empathetic to the female characters. Mm. Um, there's no sense of, of it not being his own story as well. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really nice. Is yeah, that he feels so, like he, he's an outsider too. Yeah, he's Perry. <laughs> 
there's a tendency in comedy to think you're doing something less because it's funny. Right, right. That right. you're actually what you should really be doing is aspiring to great drama. Right, right. And certainly, right. in terms of how much you get paid, you do get the feeling that if you're I a showrunner or anything that was entirely dramatic, yeah. you'd be treated with a lot more respect. Yeah. But I think this film is a terrific argument for how many great truths mm. can be told through comedy. And when people talk about their characters, very few people, when they talk about what their family were like, will reach for an allegory in drama, but they will say, oh, we were like the royal family. Mm. Oh, we're like the family in Muriel's mm, wedding. Mm. We're like the family. We're like the, the trotters. Oh, my dad was like... Yeah, people choose yeah. sitcom characters yeah. because there's an enormous truth in cartoons and caricatures. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is a great film. It's a great argument for saying there is huge depth mm. in broad strokes. Yeah, yeah. And yet, when done badly, I mean, I suppose if you do anything well, it's, you know... Are you saying that when something's done well, it's better? Yeah, I think that was my point. And then as it, as it came out of my mouth, I thought, you can't, you can't get it back in. You can't, you bless fucking you, you can't let that stuff out. Because if that stuff gets out and people find out about it, it's going to blow some mind. That's day one of my script writing course. <laughs> Just try to make it good. I mean, fuck. People like good shit. People like good. I don't say what they like more than good, they like better. So fucking try that on. Lunch? Yeah, and that'll be 800 pounds. I was also thinking about um, how sometimes um, story events are not plot. With a movie like Muriel's Wedding, there are, there are so many story events, but story events mean nothing without character. Otherwise, you just have a pile of events. Yeah. And um, the bad version of Muriel's Wedding is this is just a bunch of things happening in close succession. Yeah. And there is nothing propelling me through this. I have no, there are no flags in the sand yeah. getting me from event to event. And yet this does manage to put the flags in the sand and lead you to each flag in the sand confidently. Yeah, the, the, the character work is giving you the emotions and the emotions you're then feeling and reflecting in your heart. Mm. And you know, you know why things are happening. You know, uh, Muriel's Wedding does some astonishing things where she me meets a new best friend and then abandons that best friend when that friend gets ill, which is a really hard sell. Yeah. But at no point did I go, yeah, that's not what Muriel would do, because I knew yeah. the character, and I knew she was in a selfish space at that point, and I yeah. felt for her, and I knew why, I knew yeah. what her family background was like. It, uh, it, there's some astonishing skids and left turns in yeah. terms of plot beats yes. that are sold on the fact that you know the characters. And you know her obsessive drive. Yeah. And her obsessive drive will be pursued at the expense of everyone and will be at the expense of her integrity. Like she has to. Yeah. She won't find happiness that way, but which, she's just driven. Which is a, the tragic. That is a Macbeth. Yeah. So in a yeah. like it, that's what's so impressive about in this comedy. She is in a way being an Aristotelian tragic figure in that she has obsessively pursued the thing to her absolute peril and yeah. moral downfall. Yeah. There's a there's a total tragic arc to this. Mm. What kind of person marries someone they don't know? You did. It's epic and it's big and it's but you're right it's all character led and i remember, I remember working this out i am still really bad at this i mean everyone is you write your beat sheets out when you're writing you're plotting things out and it's a lot of it you're good at it and you go it's not just and 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 it's so and then and but i've got all the links that's all working seems to be fine and then you've forgotten to stand up the character stuff or you forgot to interrogate it and it's just a bunch of cold events yep and i remember saying this to someone once i said you can always lock a door on a character Mm. they can always be trapped. If you write a ghost story, I'll say, oh, God, the door's locked. I can't get out. Mm. But it's never as good as the door being open and the character not wanting to go through it. Oh, that's really good. And I said, the thing is, you can always mechanically put a door in the way. Yeah. But if the door's open, 
but you as an audience understand that that's the last place the character would ever go. Yeah. That's writing. And Muriel's Wedding is loads of that writing where, where they, the characters make sometimes wildly improbable decisions. Mm. And at no point do you go, she wouldn't do that. Yeah. And is that, um, but again, is that just the boldness of the mission statement that each character says, <laughs> Yes. here's what I want and here is how I am going to get it? I think, to be honest, I've done a few of these podcasts now and the thing that all people's favourite films and shows have got in common is that. Yeah. People love it when a yeah. character cleverly or very, very blatantly tells you what they want yeah. and you at home are invited to join in. Yes. I want to win. All my life I've wanted to win. Me too. I also think if, as the writer, if you can't say in one sentence what your character wants, then you are going to be all at sea very quickly. Yeah. Because every time you write a new sentence and a new scene, literally anything can happen. You are God. You yeah. are the God of this universe. Anything can happen. So how are you going to deal with the 10,000 options that you have at every given moment? So the only thing that you can hold on to is what does my character want yeah. and what are they going to do to get it? And I think, especially with comedy, with I think with comedy, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I, may, I, might, I might not want to die on this hill. <laughs> Um, but if you're going to, because the, the comedy moments are a bit, they, 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 they are tangential, that they are a bit jazz, that you yeah. are playing around a bit. If you haven't got the solid foundation of your actual yeah. story, you're going to get lost in your comedy moments. Yeah, that's very true. I, I always say that one of the things that's really hard with writing comedy is most of the time you can remove jokes. Yeah. Because yeah. a joke tends to be a side issue to where we're going. Yeah. One of the things that's really enjoyable about it is that it flourishes. Yeah. And when you're cutting, if you write a script that's 37 pages long for a 30-page slot, you can bet in the edit you will lose all the jokes. And it's one of the reasons why people were, I watched that show, there weren't many jokes in it. And you went, yeah, did the plot make sense though? Right. And the plot will always make sense because the thing that would have been sacrificed in the edit sometimes is a line. Yeah. And I was, I'm always impressed in a show where they've managed to get, say, turns of phrase or character work so that the plot... Mm stuff has jokes hanging off it. Yeah. Because otherwise, you can always, some some slapstick, you can always remove that. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. can always trim the jokes and it's one of the things that's really hard to argue for. Yeah. Because everyone in, in, in when they're doing the edits is saying, well, we need to say this because that's plot. Yeah. So you can't cut that. Yeah. You can definitely cut all the jokes. So, are you married now? What? Well, you said you weren't Muriel Heslop. If you changed your name, I thought you must have got married. <laughs> no. Yes. I'm engaged. Anyone I know? What? Who? Tim. Who? What? Tim who? Oh, Sims. Tim Sims. <laughs> Don't know him. What's he like? Mm, like, <laughs> no one. Schmike? What? I shouldn't. You're admiring this film a lot for what it does that you wouldn't do. Mm. Is it just useful as a benchmark that you don't know? Because you're a good technical writer and you know the rules for this. Right. And your work is technically satisfying. Right. So I think we all fall for that, going, I'm going to make this technically perfect. Mm -hmm. To have something as a favourite film that is technically impressive but doesn't follow those rules. Yeah. That occasionally breaks those rules but makes sure it's doing something else. Yes, yes. It's quite, I mean, is that what you're getting out of this? Is it, are you in awe? Are you wondering mm. at the chances it's taking, the bravery and the boldness of it? Yeah, I think so. I uh, absolutely because I've seen the bad version of that so many times. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. the, the bad version of that makes me want to put my foot through the telly. Yeah, the unsaid, the shadow over this film mm. is the bad Muriel's wedding. Right, the one that's got one star. Yeah, 
the the one of the endless wedding drama. I mean, the decisions this makes that break it out of rom com cliche. Mm. The fact that she's not looking for a man. Mm. The, the nice man she gets, she leaves behind halfway through. The perfectly nice, yeah. good example of like a positive male figure yeah. just gets completely ignored. Yeah. Um, she doesn't get the guy. She gets her friend. Yeah. It breaks all the rules of it. Yeah. And because it's doing that, you're constantly aware of the dark version of this, the by numbers, on rails, Hollywood, mm. yeah. studio, script doctored yes. version of it that's got whichever star of the moment was underweight enough to be the star oh, at the front yeah, of it yeah, yeah. everything about it yeah. there's a shadow of this all the way through of how this might have been do you also have that thing that whenever you get notes back uh, <laughs> like network notes um they always say dumb shit like what if something like this happened and then you go because it's just you're just tacking on a story event you know yeah. like when someone <laughs> yeah, who yeah. draws an enormous salary because <laughs> oh what if um the, the what if uh, they won lottery well yeah but i feel like muriel's wedding does have moments along the lines of what if they won lotto like it does <laughs> it kind of does but it's what the guy wanted yeah it yeah, basically yeah. it is it is auteur yeah. madness yeah you're right you're right it is yeah Judges really well how bawdy to be as well. Right. Because it could be like a sort of a, a fruity, brash, rude sex comedy. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. It's got immense. I was blown away by the what the sex gag is, mm. which is unzipping the beanbag. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a good visual bit of slapstick. Yeah. But that in a, in a cruder, worse studio version of this film is the spunk in the hair. Yes, gag. yes. It's the one where everyone shits themselves in Bridesmaids. You know, there's a really <laughs> crude version of that that would play really well and possibly work, but isn't in the tone of this film. Yeah. For such a vulgar film, yeah. it's incredibly tasteful that's about so when true. it does shit sex gags. God, that's so true. <laughs> I have to tell you something. I'm a parking inspector. That's okay. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And and Rhonda's having a three-way with two American sailors. So the whole scene is, is that, um, do you have milk or do you, have, do you want sugar? And there's this, ah, 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 like happening. Yeah. Again, it's just the really strong comedy offer. Yeah. That these two very awkward people are going to just, uh, uh, is that milk, two sugars? Uh, would you like a biggie with your tea? And there's this, you know, sex, really noisy sex. And my daughter was just laughing so much. And I said, you know what's really fun about this is that those actors would have had to go into the ADR booth <laughs> and done about three minutes of sex noises at the microphone and then the sound mixer would have put that all in together. They're not in the next room. That's just an ADR thing. Biggies? Sure. Is this the similar kind of, you know, there is that, you know, with the fairy tale genre, you start at a wedding. Like, this is yeah. very much the godfather. This yeah, yeah. is uh, the deer hunter. <laughs> yeah. We start at a wedding and everything's mm. wonderful. And then there's the store detective. And, yeah. you know, and, and in the uh, the deer hunter, there's the Vietnam veteran going, you boys <laughs> shipping out tomorrow. Well, fucking good luck. You know, there's the harbinger yeah. of doom at the wedding. Is that sort of what he's stylistically doing? That this is a world where you're not safe. Yeah. There is a creeping malevolence at all times. Yeah, because her dad is the essence of evil within the house. And yeah. it's like, it's a banal kind of evil. He's just mean to his wife and he's basically physically corrupt yeah. and racist and things. Yeah. There's that figure in there, which is just, she's in a position where she's not safe, where she's got 
home her home isn't so she needs to get out of her home yeah so basically a, a marriage with the perfect way to do it and yeah. at the end it turns out that actually what she needed was a friend yeah she thought she wanted the, the only way to buy her way out of being a reject at home this, this dumb awful thing with this bullying dad mm. would be to get married and it turns out what she needs is is a good female friend mm. someone who respects her and likes her yeah um so yeah, she's in danger and the only way to save her, her Prince Charming is a best friend. Yeah. It's a really good subversive story. Yeah. There. Now, if you put this under your pillow, you'll dream of your future husband. There's a horrible story PJ Hogan tells about his real dad, mm. who obviously sounds like an awful person. And he describes him as being Trumpian. Right. Like sort of having that thing where he just denies reality. Yeah. And he had no respect for his kid, for him being creative. Or but he, I, I get the feeling that PJ Hogan is slightly Muriel as well. That mm. He's the one who's who doesn't fit in. He can't work out what to do with him. Yeah. And he said when the film was a success, his dad saw it and loved it. Oh, he didn't. He didn't see himself in it. Pure Trump. Couldn't oh, see himself. narcissism. And also, yeah. and also, just yeah. said the film's a success. Oh, My child's a success. Oh God. And he liked the success so much. It didn't matter. He couldn't see. Yeah, it didn't matter. That it was about yeah, the yeah, evil yeah. cancer at the heart of that family. And I think that's why, again, why it's a good film. I think it's got an honest heart. It's a scream. It's a film about choosing. Mm. And she's at that stage which we've all been at where you're in a family Mm. and you didn't choose your family. Mm. Your family are imposed upon you and you grow naturally out of it. Mm. And at some point you have to choose to leave. And that's what she's trying to do. So I'm going to find the perfect guy, going to get married. I'm going to choose to leave. Mm. Goodbye, pauper spit. Yeah. And... What she's forgetting is that you can also choose friends. Yes, yes. And the message of the film is really simple. It says, look, if you want to get out of your family, you want to escape, you can go and get married. Mm. Or you could just choose a better family Yeah, yeah. of mates. We could build your own family. It's such a sweet message. Oh, that final scene where they're driving out in the taxi and it's Rachel Griffiths and Tony Collette saying, goodbye, beach, goodbye, mom. <laughs> Oh, God, I was, in, I was in pieces. I was in absolute pieces. There's a lovely quote. Rachel Griffiths was interviewed about what the film's about. And mm. she said, when you're fundamentally rejected by your family and your place because who you are is not acceptable within that place, then the families you create beyond that are your lifeboats. Oh, my God. And it's about that. It's yeah. about escape and realising that the story she's accepted, she's swallowed from fairy stories, is the only lifeboat is Prince Charming, is, mm. is, is finding a boy. Yeah. And what an amazing message to say, go and find a great mate. Yeah. And be mean to them when I get cancer if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's allowed. <laughs> you know, the, this idea that marriage is transformative, you literally get a new name. Yeah. You know, and if you hate yourself enough, yeah. then you will jump at the opportunity yeah. to take on a new name because then you're, I'm not Muriel anymore. Then I won't be Muriel Heslop. Well, she changed her name to Mariel, doesn't Mariel. she? I'm Mariel. I'm Mariel Van, Van <laughs> Binkenberg or yeah. whatever the fuck she became. Van Swimming, yeah. Yeah. So this idea that marriage is essentially you... You, it is transformative, but in a way you lose yourself. Yeah. Like it's, it's very critical of marriage. It's going... Yes. You know, it's not if, the answer. No. And if you want to lose your name, go right ahead. You'll still be you. Like, yeah, It's yeah. just a really... And then in order to get her friend back, at the end where she claims her name back and says, yeah. I know I'm Muriel again, yeah. she's found herself again. And the friend said, I accept you for who you are. Yeah. It's such a magical world to spend time in. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it made me really homesick. I got really, I mean, bizarrely, because it paints it as like <laughs> hell. <laughs> but it did. It made me, because it made me homesick for the for the reasons I felt othered there. Right. You know, I really recognised that sort of beach culture and the 
and the kind of the suburban blandness, you know, like you do dream of going to Sydney. You do just want to go, you know, and there is that kind of, you know, I love love that line where she says, she says it really seriously when Rhonda's in the wheelchair and she's just had this operation. She says, Rhonda. When I lived in Pauper Spit, I'd just stay in my room for hours and listen to ABBA songs. Sometimes I'd stay in there all day. Since I've met you and moved to Sydney, I haven't listened to one ABBA song. It's because now my life's as good as an ABBA song. It's as good as Dancing Queen. Come off it. My whole world was what I had to paint inside my head when I lived in, in Pauper Spit. And now that I've left Pauper Spit, I don't have to live in my little internal world in my head there anymore. I can I can exist and, and enjoy living because so you built I, a shell for yeah. yourself, and then you can leave that shell. Yeah, and the actual reality of your actual everyday life yeah. is as much fun mm. as listening to Abba. Yeah, I thought it was a magical line that but, it's the whole theme of the film. But also doing that with the band Abba. I mean, what an amazing thing to do <laughs> as a writer to have this really resonant piece of dialogue. You know, since I've got to Sydney, I haven't listened to Abba once. <laughs> and for that to be like this, holy shit. But you buy that. Yes. It's telling a story using that language and these elements, and it's very, very confident mm. that when she says that line, you will simultaneously laugh mm. because it's stupid yeah. and also go, yeah, that's thoroughly sincere yes. and I might cry. I think there's a very strong queer element through this movie as well about that otherness and trying to exist in, in, a, in a culture that is not welcoming and it yeah. is frightening. And, and you know, queer people do go to the big cities, you know. like yeah. It's so interesting that in a movie this queer, there isn't a, a, there isn't a queer character. No, I thought I was expecting it to be mm. more openly queer. No, I know. It's really, it's like every character is, as far as I can see, heterosexual. Like there isn't but a... But it speaks to that. I think that's, yeah. again, it, 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 by its specificity, it mm. becomes universal. It's a good allegory for all sorts of othering. Yes. Othering on the basis of class, yeah. weight, looks, yes. uh, interests, yeah. uh, intelligence, mm. uh, b- 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 morality. She's othered in every single way. Yeah. So she works as a brilliant avatar yeah. for anyone who feels othered by a culture. Yeah. It's an incredibly inclusive film. And what a strange little spasm of Australian filmmaking yeah. that gave you all these sort of brightly coloured, yeah. life-affirming yeah. movies. Yeah, but you know, it is it is that response to just this kind of, this toxic masculinity and I think yeah. that there was just this sudden that kind of came out of very queer spaces that was pushing back against that. Um, as we as we sort of enter a world which is looking increasingly like it's going to start doing monoculture again yeah, and saying that, okay, you will be judged by this tick list of how much you conform, like the mm. 1950s, to a certain st- set of standards. And if you're outside any of them, by the way, we'd rather you didn't tell us. Mm. Then films like this, I suppose, become more and more precious because they're going to... Sp- they're funny, but they're mm. kind of screams. Yes, yes. Oh my god, yes. God, that is such a yeah. That's really good. It's a good piece of writing, John. Can I get my money back for the course? Uh, no, it's non-refundable. Okay. I've already spent it. It's, <laughs> it's a blank check. Yeah, it's, it's gone. That money's that gone. It's so gone. Um, okay, I think that's that's a good place to end. Do you got anything else you want to say? No, I don't think so. Okay. No. Um, well, it's lovely. Thank you for introducing me to a film I hadn't seen before and a wonderful film. Thank, Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time and care and attention that you did with it. I think oh, it's... Um, that was so lovely. Pays you back in, in spades, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing me Muriel. Yeah. Comfort Blanket was presented and produced by Joel Morris for the 
Cheese and Pickle family of podcasts. Find us on social media and don't forget to like and subscribe. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.